And uh, I worked on this last night, and I really feel like this is the message that the Lord have us preach today. So if you will, Genesis chapter number 18, and I want to begin reading in verse number uh, 22. And as I said in Sunday school, I will deal with the context of this chapter and uh, draw out some applications. So Genesis chapter 22, and let's begin reading in verse number, uh, excuse me, Genesis 18, verse 22. I apologize. Genesis 18, verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Preadventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Now, the city is talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find fifty, if I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then will I spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Preadventure they shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Preadventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for the forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Preadventure there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Preadventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the twenty's sake. And he said, oh, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but this once. Preadventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. And then if you look in over one chapter, Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 24, the Bible says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city that grew upon the ground. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for the portion you've directed our heart to, Lord. I pray, God, that you have blessed this scripture. Lord, I know you've inspired it and preserved it to this generation. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to deliver uh, the burden you put upon us to this waiting congregation. Lord, it is not my intentions nor by my desire to entertain this congregation, uh, Lord, or just to speak to them. But Lord, I pray you would speak to them. And, Lord, I pray you'd speak to my heart today. May we see no man save Jesus only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. When you come to Genesis chapter 18, we've got to lay some groundwork. And so... When you come to Genesis chapter 18, I notice four things that I want to emphasize, and I'll spend most of my message on the last thought this morning and then give the application that God's put upon our hearts. In verses 1 through 16 of Genesis chapter 18, we find the invitation of a friend. 
We find that this is Abraham in this text, and we know his perception in verse 1 and 2. The Lord appeared unto him, and all the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself to the ground. What is going on here? Well, Abraham in James chapter 2 is called the friend of God. And in Genesis chapter 18, God is paying his friend a visit. These are three men. Two of them are angels. The third man is the angel of the Lord. I'm going to use a big $500 word here. I don't know why we have to use big words, but this is a Christophany or a theophany, which means a pre-incarnate visit of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. I want to remind you, Bethlehem was not the Lord's first time on the earth. He showed up in Bethlehem and wrapped himself in flesh. Uh, But he showed up many times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Over there in Joshua chapter by the walls of Jericho over there in Judges chapter 13 to Manoah and his wife and over and over again uh, throughout the word of God and here he does it in this text he's paying Abraham a visit I noticed the perception of Abraham but then I noticed the passion of Abraham verse 3 and he said my Lord if now I found favor in thy sight pass not away I pray thee from thy servant let a little water I pray thee be fetched uh, by the way Abraham was a country fellow he said fetched, amen, in thy sight past, uh, and, and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on, you know what Abraham did he wanted to be a good host to the Lord amen, God thought enough to come by and visit Abraham and Abraham wanted to honor the Lord hey I want to say this morning, ain't it a blessing when God comes by and visits with us, amen, how about you, I want to be a good host to the Lord I want to give him the honor and the glory and the respect that he so rightly deserves. Amen. I want to be respectful in the house of God. I want to honor God and have reverence for him uh, when he stops by. And so there's the perception and the passion. But verses 6 through 8 for sake of time, Abraham readies the provisions. He brings something before the Lord. He gets some bread and he gets some meat and he has a young man kill a kid of the goats and uh, uh, and, and they get together and they uh, and uh, me a calf rather than they and they make it and they dress it he brought butter and milk apparently the Lord wasn't worried about his cholesterol somebody say amen he brought that butter and milk and he set it before the Lord and they had fellowship amen I'm glad when I come to church we have the word we have the bread and we have the meat and we can sit down with the Lord and we can fellowship one with another and we can have communion amen but I'm glad God will do that on Monday in your private place amen and when you pray and get along with God and pray you can have fellowship with the Lord. I want to admonish you, the only time you read your Bible should not be on Sunday and Wednesday. You ought to walk with God, read the Word of God and pray, amen. I noticed the promise that is made, verses 9 through 16, is during this time that God makes a promise to Abraham that at the time of life that Sarah, who is 90 years old, would have a child. He made that promise, verses 9 through 16. That is not the burden of our heart, but that is the context of the Scripture. So there is the invitation of a friend. But then in verses 17 through 21, there is the information that is foretold. Now what is happening here? Well, notice please in verse number 17, notice the confidence. The Bible said, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall 
shall be blessed in him, for I know him, that he will command his children. You hear the confidence of God? He will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. The Lord said, I'm going to share some information with Abraham uh, because I know him. I know he's going to command his house. I know he's going to raise his children. I know he's going to raise his family uh, to live for God and honor God. Hey, dads, wouldn't it be a blessing if God had that much confidence in us uh, that he would trust us to raise our family, uh, to lead our children in the right way? Amen. It's not mama's job uh, to be the spiritual leader in the home. It's our job as the husband. I understand there are cases uh, where that mom has to step up, maybe a lost husband, uh, maybe the husband's not on the scene, uh, but the way God designed it is for the man to be the head of the home and to lead that family in the spiritual matters of the home, to take care of that family, and God had confidence in Abraham that he was going to do that, amen. Notice the confidence, but then notice the cry, verse number 20, and the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is grievous. The consideration, verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. God said, I've heard the cry, the wickedness, the wicked cries of Sodom. He wasn't going down there to see if it was true. He was going down there as a witness. God's got a whole purpose. We're going to get to this for sending those angels down there to Sodom. And he tells Abraham that. There is the invitation by a friend. There is the information that is foretold. But then in verses 18 through 32 that we read, excuse me, verse 22 through 32 of our text, there is the intercession of faith. Abraham begins, boy, a preacher made this statement uh, Friday night, I think. He says somebody still had to pray for Sodom. Americans in bad shape. Would you not agree with that this morning? But somebody, Abraham was still praying for Sodom. We ought to still pray for America. I, I pray for this generation of Americans. I got all nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. I understand that, and I believe that, and I do not believe that God's going to send a nationwide revival. The only nationwide revival He's ever sent is to the nation of Israel. He sends revival to a church, to believers, amen. And, but I pray for this generation of Americans, not just Americans, but sinners across the board, uh, that they may turn to Christ. I'm afraid that America America, the reason she's not in Bible prophecy is because she is rendered useless uh, by the time the tribulation period really kicks off. And the way this country is going, it wouldn't be hard to see that. The intercession of faith. What did Abraham do? Well, Abraham went before God, verses 22 and 23. Somebody said, God will never answer my prayers. Do you ever go before God in prayer? Do you even have a time? Do you have a place? Do you have a period to, pl- to pray? I said in the Timothy conference last week, the battle for us is not in the secret place. The battle is getting to the secret place. Just getting to that point. Abraham was before God, verses 24 through 32. Abraham begged God. He said, God, would you spare Sodom if you find 50 righteous there? God said, Abraham, I will. Abraham said, well, Lord... How about for 45? Would you spare it for 45? And he said, if you can find 45 righteous, Lord said, I'll spare if I can find 45 righteous. He said, Lord, what if you find 30 righteous? Would you spare it for 30 righteous? The Lord said, I'll do it for the 30. He said, Lord, don't get mad at me. That's what he says. We read it. 
He said, if there were 20 righteous, would you spare it for the 20 righteous? The Lord said, I'll spare it for the 20's sake. Abraham gets down to the moment of truth. He said, Lord, if there's 10 righteous, would you spare it for the 10's sake? And the Lord said, I'll do it. He begged God. You know what, Abraham, what else Abraham did in this text? He believed God. He says what he says in verse 25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He said, Lord, whether you spare it or whether you don't spare it, I know what you're going to do is right. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm fixing a drive at home. We're going to go eat lunch. He said, Lord, I, I know whatever you do is right. That's faith right there. That's believing God. There is the invitation by a friend, the information foretold, the intercession of faith. But then here's what I want to note in verse 32. The importance of the family. He said, verse 32, O Lord, let not the Lord, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Preadventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the ten's sake. So I said, preacher, the importance of the family? I mean, he worked God down from 50 to 10, but he did not go any further. God, you know, think about this. God said yes to every prayer that Abraham prayed in this text. But he stopped at 10. Why did he stop at 10? A couple reasons. There are five cities in Sodom and Gomorrah. Make up Sodom and Gomorrah if you read Genesis 14. That's two witnesses per city. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This could be part of the reason, but I believe it goes further than that. I believe that Abraham was counting on Lot reaching his family in Sodom. I think Abraham's going down through there going 50. No. How about 45? No. 30? Uh, 20? I can count on Lot. Lot's a just righteous man, 2 Peter 2. Lot will reach his family. I'm going to stop at 10. I'm going to stop at 10. Surely Lot will reach his family. You know, God originated the family. Stay with me, I'm fixing to drive it home. God originated the family in the Garden of Eden. God ordained the family, but hell opposes the family. Would God have spared Sodom and Gomorrah had Lot reached his own family? I mean, was there 10? Was there 10? Let's count them. You got your Bibles? Let's use them. Unlike some churches, we actually like using our Bibles around here. Look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some, some illustrations this morning. Brother Eric, Miss Delaney, would y'all come up here and stand? Actually, just stand where you at. Just stand where you at, please. So we've got Lot and Mrs. Lot. That's two. Look at verse number 12. Them angels, hast thou any here besides thy son-in-law? All right, so you got one son-in-law and his wife. Is he asleep? I don't want to. Brother William, you and Miss Leah, stand up. Watch what he says. So we got four. And thy daughters. That's at least two. Brittany, you and Sarah, stand up. That's at least two. Look on in the text. Oh, I missed it. And thy sons. Daxon, you and Jared stand up. And bring and whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Look on in verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons in law. That's at least two more sons and two more daughters. 
Brother Travis, you and Miss Kelly stand up. Brother Dominic, you and Miss Leah stand up, please. I've counted at least 12 in Lot's family that we know about. If Lot would have just reached these 12 people in his family, God would have spared the most wicked city we've known. I'm preaching this morning on the importance of a godly family. The importance of a godly family. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, we know a lot about Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all with me? We know a lot about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, we, we, think about, we think about Sodom and we think about Ezekiel 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, the abundance of idleness. And then was in her daughters. And neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. The pride of Sodom. Sodom, you know, they had their, their gay pride rallies, their Sodomite rallies. And, and let, me, let me help y'all out with something. Quit sharing that stuff on your Facebook. Quit sharing stuff about sodomites on your Facebook. All you're doing is promoting that crowd. Every time you do that, you're playing right into their game. You should, your friends should know you well enough to know that you're for biblical marriage. If they don't know that, then you need to change your friends or have a better testimony. Somebody help me. Every time you share, and it's on my feed, and I'm getting sick and tired of seeing it. I'm fixing to delete you. I'm not even going to unfollow. I'm going to delete you. You're just going to say, Pastor, has just deleted you. Amen. Why? You're getting on my nerves. Quit sharing that stuff. And, and talking about all these, and sharing pictures of drag queens and all that kind of stuff. Why would you want that filth on your Facebook anyway? Why are you looking at that filth? Why are you studying that stuff? You have no business doing that. Somebody help me. Amen. That's the pride of Sodom. The prosperity of Sodom. Abundance of, full of bread. We don't need anything. And the practice of Sodom was abundance of idleness. We're not doing anything. We talk about Sodom, and, we, and, and some of y'all get so worked up about Sodomites, but you ain't got no problem with your pride. You ain't got no problem with your satisfaction with you. You ain't got no problem with your idleness, and you're not doing anything, but you're going to let the Sodomites have it. At the end of the day, sin, sin. And you read Romans 1, there's a whole lot more sins in there but Sodomy in Romans 1. That first one's being unthankful. I'm not taking up for the Sodomites. It's all sin, Brother Travis. I'm against the sin of drunkenness as much as I am the sin of sodomy. Amen? But we want to pick out one sin. And, and what, by the way, whatever you spend all your time on, you'll probably end up agreeing with and going with eventually. Amen. I, let, me just, let me just preach this out while I'm here. I've known guys, they make their whole ministry about one thing. And that one thing they turn into. Greg Locke made his whole ministry about Benny Hinn and now he's yoked up with him. Yoked up with him. And when you focus, whenever you focus everything, whatever you focus on, you'll eventually corrupt and you'll identify with it. Amen. Well, it just aggravates me. Well, then quit. Get off Facebook. Get off social media. Live out in the woods somewhere and get over it. Read your Bible. That would be a blessing. Amen. Probably should have preached that Timothy conference last week. Well, you want to get mad over all that, but I'm going to let you in on something. God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of sodomy. God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because the city was full of sodomites. You know why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Because he could not find ten righteous people. He said he would if he found ten. That's one family. Some of y'all are looking at me strange thinking I'm taking up for I'm not taking up for Sodom. One man, one woman from their original birth. Amen. 
Amen. I feel sorry for people trying to find a spouse now. I require baby pictures and birth certificates. Somebody help me, all right? But I'm just telling you, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah not because of the sin of sodomy, because the sin of the lack of righteousness. And if, if Abraham was counting on one family, surely Lot has reached his family. But we read the text this morning in Genesis 19 that he couldn't find. We know that Lot was a righteous man. Second Peter 2, I can't figure that one out. If you can, you're probably lying. Because, <laughs> amen, you ain't figured it out because I ain't figured it out. There's a lot of good Bible commentators ain't figured out. Hey, he's a just and righteous man. He said it vexed his righteous soul living there. That's what Peter said. So we've got at least one, but he did not reach his family. I wonder this morning, God's not going to spare America from judgment. But I wonder, could he find one family? Could he find one family that was living godly? That if we was was living that Sodom, could he find, would your family be that ten? Well, I don't have ten kids. No, you got cousins, family, that immediate family, moms and dads, in-laws. I thought about this with Lot. Why... Why, Lot did not have any influence on his family to live for God. Notice quickly, and I'm almost done, Lot's involvement. Genesis 19.1 And there came two angels to Sodom even at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the ground. Notice the area Lot's in. Notice the place. He's in Sodom. Genesis 14, he gets taken captive. Uncle Abraham comes and rescues him. And what does he do? He goes right back to Sodom. You can't help some people. Children, you're not supposed to say stupid, but don't listen to the preacher for just a second. You can't help stupid people. Because they won't listen to nothing. That is the truth. The Bible says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. There's just some people you can't help. They won't listen to nothing. You can talk to them till you're blue in the face and they're going to go do what they want to do at the end of the day. You just can't help some people. He goes right back to it. As the doll returns to his vomit, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. Notice the position. He's sitting in the gate. That gate, sitting in the gate, is the idea of a tower, a place of authority. So not only is he living in Sodom, but he is involved in Sodom. He's an authority. Notice the absence. Not only the area, but the absence. Genesis 18, three men show up to Abraham's house. Genesis 19, only two men show up. Jesus wouldn't go down to Sodom. I'm sorry, but Jesus wouldn't, don't go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to hair lips some people, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not going down to a gay, route, gray pride route to pass out tracks. God, God didn't send two preachers down to Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent two angels to burn the city down. I'm just telling you what it is. You do what you want to. I'm not doing it. Amen. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to pass out tracks where I go. I passed the track out this morning. Amen. Hope you'll pass out some tracks this week. But I'm not going down there to try to cause a scene. Because, amen. That's exactly what they're doing. Just trying to cause a problem and holding up their signs. That's foolishness. And if you do that, we're going to deal with you. Amen. We're not doing that. That's not right. That's not honoring God. Amen. So we notice, we notice the absence. The Lord didn't even go down there. He did not feel comfortable visiting the home a lot. He felt hum- comfortable. Oh, and i got to hurry because I'm at 22 minutes now. But ain't it amazing? Abraham lived in a tent. Ab- Lot's living in a house. 
Lot don't have a tent and he don't have an altar. Abraham's got a tent and an altar and he's digging wells. Why? Because Abraham's just passing through. But Lot's done settled in. I believe Lot's in heaven. I believe we'll meet Lot one day. But he's settled in in Sodom. Lot's involvement. But then Lot's identification. Watch, watch in the text. And there's so many things we could preach here, but I want to mind the Lord. Notice, notice the perverseness. Verse 4 and 5. These wicked men of Sodom come and they, they see them angels coming to... They don't know their angels. They see those men going to Lot's house and they're beating on the door. Both young and old said, let us know them. That is an immoral term. A wicked term. And here's what Lot says. Look at verse number 7. And said, I pray you, brethren. He's calling Sodomites his brother. He's identified. He is, watch it now, he's got comfortable with them. He's got comfortable with the world. I'm going to tell you, the world's trying to make us comfortable with sin. Not just sodomy, but drunkenness, immorality, fornication, adultery. It used to be people would hide out if they were committing adultery or fornication. But now they just put it all over Facebook and social media. They used to, they used to hide their, their, their immorality, their promiscuity. They used to hide all that. Now they just flaunt it. They dare you to say anything about it. We've, got com- we've just been desensitized in this generation. The perverseness, but then watch the proposition. Lot said, look, don't, don't take these men, verse 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you, and you do to them as good in your, own, in your eyes. Do you see how Sodom has affected this man? He won't, let it too, he won't let the Sodomites have these men, but he'll give them his two virgin daughters. I don't care who you are, if you're saved or not saved, that's wicked. That's a perverse lifestyle. So here's the problem. Not only his involvement, his identification, but Lot's inconsistency. I read the verses, verse 12 and 14. 12, 13, 14, the men said in the Lot... Hast thou ain't here besides thy son alone, thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for I will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up! Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He did. There's, there's the final warning in verse 12 and 13, and there's the failed witness, verse 14. He did not even have enough of a testimony with his own family that when judgment was coming, he tried to warn them. They just, they just thought, oh, Lot, here you are on that religious thing again. I mean, you're just hanging out with everybody else. So they were all the sodomites the other day. I wonder. Now, let me say this. There's a lot of parents raise their kids right. And they do right, and they get out of church, and that ain't their fault. But then there's some parents that raise their kids in and out of church, inconsistent, one thing at church, another thing at home. And then when the time comes to really make a decision for God, they don't take them seriously because they've seen so much inconsistency in their life. He's sitting at the gate in verse 1, and he's prophesying judgment in verse 14. And they said, Lot, you've lost your mind. How many, how many of us parents, if we're not careful, 
We're one thing at home and another thing at church. It's called hypocrisy. It's called being fake. I can't stand fake. I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't like fake stuff. I, I, I don't. I want, I want genuine. I want real. I don't like performance. I don't like shows. I don't like, I don't like somebody trying to impress me. Most, and this is not a problem. Somebody that tries to impress me, they never impress me. <laughs> they really don't. And if I try to impress somebody, they're not impressed by me. But Lot's trying to put on his one thing. He's trying to fit in with the world. And he's trying to fit in with Sodom. You know the rest of the story. His wife is so in love with Sodom that she looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt. She was a Sodomite. She was, she was, a, she was an inhabitant of Sodom. He wasn't married until he got down there. Apparently he's been down there a while because he's got daughter, several daughters old enough to be married. It's even possible, Brother Richie, he's got grandchildren in this text. And he finally tells them, we've got to get out. And he only gets the two daughters that are virgins. They're going out of the city. Mama turns back. God kills her. And then the two daughters get up there in that cave. We're in a mixed audience. But some wicked things happen in that cave. And because of that, Moab and Ammon was produced that Israel dealt with the rest of their days. All because Lot didn't reach his family. You think a godly family is important? I think it is. Abraham's praying, Lord, 50? No, there wouldn't be 50. 45? No. 30? 20? Then you got to thinking, well, there's Lot and Lot's wife. And he's got those sons-in-laws. He's got and Lot's count, and Abraham's counties. That's at least 12. I've got 12. Surely Lot will reach 10 of those 12. But we know the end of the story. God killed Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed it, and buried it at the bottom of the Dead Sea. But here's what Jesus told the Pharisees and told Israel in Matthew 12. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for you. Because we had truth. We had light. Sodom had no light. Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book years ago, Sodom had no Bible. Sodom had no Bible, had no churches, had no preachers. Had one backslidden believer that couldn't even reach his own family, and God destroyed it. But we've got, we've got Bibles, we've got churches, we've got preachers. We've got, we've got a form of godliness. But do we have a family? That are, are, we, are we raising our family? Are we reaching our family? I know this ain't been swinging and shouting, but it's what the burden God's put on my heart today. The, a family, a godly family is important. Is your family going to spare America the judgment of God? No, no. Well, why are you worried about sparing a country? Why don't, you, why don't you be worried about your family? Worry about your children. Amen, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your family. The importance of a godly family. Let's stand. He's going to play a verse.